This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Nil Zacharias and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. Andy Levitt, the founder and CEO of Purple Carrot, spent the bulk of his career in the pharmaceutical industry. After getting diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2012, Andy saw that integrating more plant-based meals into his diet not only made a dramatic difference in how he felt, but actually altered the course of his disease. Andy went on to create Purple Carrot, the plant-based meal kit company, out of his garage with a mission to inspire others to experience these health benefits themselves. After only three years in the space, Purple Carrot has become one of the major competitors in the meal kit industry, differentiating itself with unique plant-based offerings. In this conversation, Andy and I discussed the logistics of starting a meal kit company and the various struggles Purple Carrot had to overcome to ensure customer satisfaction and quality. We talk about how Tom Brady partnered with Purple Carrot and why plant-based food is a key to Tom Brady's performance and longevity as an athlete. I also get Andy's thoughts on how his company fits into the larger shifting food space and his goals to transform the health of Americans. Andy Levitt hopes to change the food system from the inside out by using Purple Carrot as a platform to inspire and empower people to embrace plant-based foods. But this episode is about a lot more than Purple Carrot, the meal kit space, or plant-based food for that matter. Andy shares some great insights about entrepreneurship that can benefit anyone running a business or looking to start their own business in the ever-evolving food space. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Andy Levitt, thanks for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Great to be here. So Andy Levitt, you're in the highly competitive meal kit market where the user acquisition costs are tremendously high. User retention tends to be, customer retention tends to be pretty low, where the overhead is high and the margins are pretty low. Um, And this subsegment of the food sector has gone through a lot of transition in the last few years. It started off as being this hot news trend and everyone was talking about it. And then everyone was attacking meal kit companies for a range of reasons from things like it isn't easy, it's not um, economical, and it's not sustainable. Um, but meal kits as a category are far from dead. Uh, in fact, I was reading, I think the market's supposed to be valued at about $6 billion by the year 2021. There's been a lot of consolidation in the space, and, and things are kind of in a transition mode for some companies in this space. All that being said, Purple Carrot remains the only meal kit company that's exclusively plant-based, first and foremost, which in my opinion already makes it automatically more sustainable than every other company in the space. Thank you. Um, Secondly, you've managed to grow and innovate and do exciting new things and still stay relevant. Um, so I would love to start off with at the, at the highest level for someone who doesn't know what meal kits is. Can you explain what a meal kit is and why would someone even consider subscribing to a meal kit company? Sure, sure. It's great to be here and thanks for all that commentary. Uh, there's certainly a lot of interesting things to discuss in the space, but 
to take a step back, mule kits are the brainchild of actually folks in Europe that was brought to the United States by Matt Salzberg, uh, predominantly, uh, most famously from Blue Apron. And uh, both the folks from Blue Apron and uh, the competitors over across the street at Plated were the big two leaders in the United States back around 2012. And they brought meal kit concept to the United States to help people understand that they could actually get three incredible dinners and all the pre-portioned ingredients shipped out to them that they could then make for dinner at home that night. And thanks to the great work that those two companies and a handful of others have done over the last several years, meal kits are um, certainly welcomed as a rel- you know an entity in the space. They've earned the- earned a spot as a uh, product that people are consuming on a regular basis. And the category is expected to grow. I've seen even as high as uh, 35 billion by 2025. So a lot of room to grow still. So, um, so 6 billion seems really small then compared <laughs> to that. Um, so let's start with why did you choose to be a plant-based meal kit company? Um, and as far as, was I correct in saying you're still the only one that's exclusively plant-based? That's right. Yep. Purple Carrot's the only hundred percent plant-based meal kit company on the market. And you know, I started the company in October of 2014. And as background, I had spent about 20 years of my life in the pharmaceutical sector, where I was a sales rep, I was a marketer, I worked in strategy and management for mostly large companies, a couple of small ones, and had the good fortune of getting laid off. And <laughs> uh, after about 13 years working in the industry before starting my own word of mouth marketing company in uh, 2012, and that was really the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And I absolutely loved uh, what I did. Forgive me. I started that in uh, February of 2007 and sold it in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea was, you know, helping people promote the value of Western medicine. And after 20 years in that category, I was ready for something new and different. and was starting to see the trends on the horizon as the meal kit space was coming into its own. I saw the on-demand, uh, the convenience economy coming up as well. And looking though at the veganism trends or trends around veganism and plant-based and seeing that it was just starting to become, there was a little bit of an uptick on a Google trends report that I was looking at. <laughs> and, uh, my wife and I watched a documentary called forks over knives in January of 2014 at the recommendation of a good friend of ours, who's been an ethical vegan for about 20 years now. And. I watched that documentary and was so turned on by seeing how you could think about food as medicine as compared to drugs as medicine, which had been my life for about 20 years. And I turned to my wife and I said, that's what I'm going to do. And she said, what are you talking about? And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to start a plant-based meal kit company because more people really need to understand the value of plant-based eating. And this is so exciting. And you know, I just started to dive in and, and at the beginning it was all about being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. finding a niche in the marketplace, being on the edge, which I think is more interesting than being in the middle and offering say a vegetarian offering. But instead I went all plant-based and felt that by being different like that and offering the way I characterized it was vegan food for non-vegans. Yeah. Because I believe that most vegans, certainly the ones who are ethical vegans, define themselves around the fact that they are plant-based eating and they're vegan and they largely know how to make their lentils taste good. They don't need a whole lot of help because they define themselves so much around their food choices that a meal kit may not be that critical. But for the majority of the population who is still thinking about, you know, animal protein at the center of the Mm -hmm. plate and vegetables that are largely overcooked on the side with some starch, they're the ones that need the most help in starting to think about how they can add more vegetables to their diet and how we can start eating more plants. Mm-hmm. And as I got deeper and deeper into this, I started to peel back and understand the environmental impact on plant-based eating and the benefits of it. I've become far more aware and conscientious from an ethical and animal rights perspective and remain very exuberant around the health benefits of eating a plant-based diet. And I love that we've been able to define ourselves and that's our DNA is to be the only 100% plant-based meal kit in the category. Yeah. It's interesting that what may have seemed like a, a crazy move at that point um, is the thing that continues to make you stand out and carve your unique brand and story as this space evolves and transforms in the last several years. Um, I do want to, before we dive deeper into what that journey has been like, 
what what made you think you could uh, it seems like an idea a lot of people t- tend to have you know when you're thinking about you know you see a opportunity and you say well there's um i'm going to be the uber of this or um i'm going to start um if if the, the um, coupon business was big at one point what were those groupons Groupon, the sure. daily deal business a lot of people were th- i had friends of mine saying i think i'm going to start a daily deal company none of them started any companies <laughs> um what made you think that you had i mean how did you have the background in the space cuz food is incredibly complicated as i'm sure you know more, way more than i do and food in this context when you are talking about developing meal kits which have perfectly portioned ingredients packaged delivered shipped across the country the logistics of that just makes my head spin what what was the next step you took after the first time you told your wife that and she thought you were crazy yeah you know that saying ignorance is bliss <laughs> is there for a reason because i jumped in with you know knowing so much less than i know today uh i still have plenty to learn of course but you know back then it was it it all came back to the premise of words by a guy named guy kawasaki who wrote a book among others called art of the start mm. I read Art of the Start in December of 2006 and the first words of that book have resonated with me ever since and he talks about make meaning. Mm. It's not make money, it's make meaning. And that informed my perspective when I started my word of mouth marketing company and that same sense of desire to make a difference was what propelled me to say I'm going to start this company. And you know my wife and I have four little kids now they're 8, 6, 4 and 2. I think about the world that they're going to inherit and what I can do to make a difference in their lives and their future. And I love an entrepreneurial challenge. I made a bet that veganism was going to go somewhere and that it was not going to be sort of a fringe trend, but that plant-based would start to become far more uh, pronounced and widely accepted. And you know, one of the guys that influences me the most, uh, probably other than my dad and my wife, <laughs> are is a guy named Seth Godin yeah. and I love Seth and he talks a lot about this idea of being an entrepreneur entrepreneur that this might work and this might not work and going into it with this sense of opportunity but without being so freaked out that if it doesn't work you know the world's going to fall apart mm. so I didn't nearly know enough about the whole category when I said I'm going to do this I started to explore the space I started to eat 100% plant-based which I wasn't and I'm still to this day uh, not vegan but I do eat largely plant-based and gained a deeper understanding of the foods the types of uh, ways people eat what are some of the limitations and where those opportunities would be um the early financial models I put together and the projections were completely wrong and that's okay because it was mm-hmm. just a matter of getting started and I came up with the name I built the website and uh, work with you know some folks i knew who were designers and web developers from past lives of mine and cobbled together something and literally out of my garage launched the company and it was just a sense that i've got to do this and there were a lot of scary days and nights along the way there have been plenty and you know i really i, I think about my wife and my kids as the biggest driver of motivation for me to succeed and make a difference and uh you know i have to say it's been an incredible ride yeah i mean i think what makes this really interesting is that usually the ideas that seem sort of the most out there um to most people are the ones that if done if executed in the right way have the most potential to outlive some other ones and you know let's just take this meal kit space for example we kind of i started off talking about how it's it's um, going through some sort of consolidation there's uh, so many new players in the space grocery stores are getting into it amazon's getting into it walmart's into it already mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time do you think that you being plant based right in the beginning and kind of saying that's what we're going to be and we're going to own that not be anything else has helped you outlast some of the other people in the space who perhaps were trying to be everything to everyone. Absolutely. I you know people at the beginning and I guess a bit to this day say that I was crazy for starting a plant-based business and always said, "Well, why doesn't Blue Apron just do vegan?" 
And when I started to raise my first bits of money and trying to ask people for even like a $5,000 check to just give me something to get going, um, I had a really, really hard time convincing people that I wasn't crazy and that with no background in food and no background in e-commerce, uh, I was going to be able to figure this out. Mm. And, um, I don't blame them for thinking I was crazy, but, uh, that singular focus on being a mission-based company that's a hundred percent plant-based it's as if we're trying to play a different game than everyone else. And I really admire the companies in the space from, you know, Matt, what he did with blue apron. Uh, I know they're under a lot of pressure right now, but I give him so much praise for being the innovator. Uh, plated did great with their acquisition through Albertsons, uh, you know, green chef, sun basket, um, home chef, Marley spoon. There's so many great mm-hmm. players out there that have done so much in the category. But I would say with all due respect to those companies, they are largely playing a very similar game, offering a relatively consistent product uh, or an undifferentiated product from the others. They're all good products, but I think it's relatively undifferentiated. And so they have to play a game of giving away a lot of meals, a lot of deep discounts, and their churn rates reflect sort of a very, what I would call a promiscuous user base of customers and consumers who have the opportunity to switch plans with no switching costs and go from one to the other with, with no penalty, if you will, and try different products, get deep discounts and benefit from a lot of that venture uh, money that has been funneled into the category. Mm-hmm. Whereas our approach at purple carrot has always been, we're plant-based, we're hundred percent plant-based, and we're going to help you eat three amazing plant-based meals every week mm. that our incredible culinary team puts together and curates for you. So that differentiated offering has been, I think a key factor in our success. We've done a whole host of other things that I think have helped us continue to grow. Um, admittedly we're, we're smaller than a lot of the guy, the other players out there, but that's okay. And I believe that our growth has been really pronounced and we've see a very bright future ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting point that you've continued to grow. Um, what, what, in spite of the fact that now you do have what some of those early investors probably said to you is, you know, Blue Apron can offer a, a plant-based uh, meal kit or option. Um, now there are players out there who are offering um, vegan options. How have you able? Have you managed to stand out in this space right now, where that is an option out there, maybe priced even cheaper than you? Mm-hmm. What is make? What makes Purple Carrot unique now versus? Um, the, the, those kind of general players who are also now dipping their toes into the plant-based space. Sure. You know, the barriers to entry are admittedly low mm-hmm. and we've known that from the beginning. Uh, we've made great efforts to differentiate ourselves in the way we've discussed so far and establish ourselves as a mission driven company where we're trying to help people focus on their own health and the health of our environment. And it's so disappointing and disturbing as you look out and just see the world events of, you know, what's happening in the weather, what's happening with climate change and the troubles that are upon us that following and adopting a largely plant-based diet, if not a fully plant-based diet can be a very important step towards eradicating some of those issues and making some positive change. And we're focusing our brand as one that does just that in an effort to be sort of this plant-based platform Mm -hmm. where other brands want to be a part of it and consumers feel like they want to be a part of something larger than themselves. And there's a lot of data out there now that shows that consumers do in fact want to work with companies and support those companies that align to their values. And I love the values that we have and I love the customers that support us and align with that. And it's exciting to see the changes that we're making together. Yeah. You know, I think, um, in this day and age, what's amazing about being a plant-based brand in the food space is that you're able to to stick to a simple idea and to create products and an experience around it that all kind of supports and grows that idea. So you 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 don't have to be you don't have to confuse your end consumer. You you're you're pretty straightforward of what your next steps are because you know there's some inbuilt limitations to your mission. And I mean limitations, I mean you don't do certain things because they don't fit your mission. That's right. And that, I think, you know, it just takes away some of that burden of trying to, you know, make your next business decision. You probably have, 
you, some things you can easily say no to because it just doesn't fit that values that that's you right. have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way most businesses generally should be running is when you decide which space you're going to run in, you establish what your core values are, and then you make decisions that are in line with that and that further that, that basic mission versus trying to hop on to that next big trendy train um, that will ne which, which will kind of kickstart your growth. Um, so let's talk about growth, right? I mean, has growth been steady? Um, have you... Has, have some of those assumptions that you had about the plant-based food space back in 2014 uh, proven to be true? And I think I know the answer to the question, but go ahead. Yeah, thanks. So I, I won't share specific growth numbers, but mm -hmm. what I can tell you is that uh, our growth has been wildly beyond my expectations of what I thought was even possible. And I also feel like we've barely scratched the surface of what is possible. And that is really exciting to me. Um, there's, I think a lot of positive, uh, you know, this great wind at our back, if you will, mm -hmm. of the growth and interest around plant-based eating that it's not back in 2014. I think it was more on the fringe. Now it's become so much more prominent. And when you think about guys like Tom Brady, a uh, whole host of other athletes, other celebrities, it's become far more mainstream and accepted. Um, that's helping us grow. Um, at the end of the day, though, the ideas are cheap. It's the execution that's valuable. Yeah. And I'm really proud of the way we have executed uh, our, in our business. And to your earlier point, we have very much defined ourselves about who we are that makes it so easy to say no to most opportunities and things that people are trying to sell us to integrate mm -hmm. that companies that are trying to be all things to all people probably have a harder time with that. Whereas for us, we are deliberately not trying to be something for everyone but we want to be something really special for a select group of people. Yeah. And have you found that your um, customers deal with you differently? Have a, you know, customer loyalty in the space has been a big problem. You've said that yourself, that it's so switching costs are so low. You can try one meal kit this uh, week and then next week switch to another one and get discounts along the way. And you can eat meal kits for, you know, maybe half a year doing that because there are enough companies out there. What have you heard from your customers and what do you think have kept some of their loyal subscribers still subscribing? Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on some of that? Yeah. So, you know, one of the comments you're making at the top of the broadcast was around the complexity of getting all of these pre-measured ingredients into mm -hmm. a box and shipped in really perfect form to the customer. And there are times where as hard as we try, you're going to make errors and either things happen in shipment, there's delays, there's snowstorms. Or someone just at a very human level that, well, they forgot to put that recipe card in or they left mm. out that onion. And I just had an email about a few days ago from this woman. Her name is Jill. And I'll leave it at that. And uh, she was writing in to complain to me to say, look, I want to come to you directly instead of going on social media because I really love what you're doing with your company. But I'm disappointed because three of my last four orders have had one problem or another. And I want you to know this. And I'm sure you're trying, but you know, I want you to know there's some work to be done. And I was so appreciative of the direct response that she took. And I wrote her back a nice note and appreciated her, her loyalty. And she then went on to come back to me to say, if you ever need me to provide focus groups, I love what you guys are doing. I want to help. And I said, well, we actually just hired this firm. We're doing some research right now. And she said, I'd love to participate and help. So even those people where we fell short, admittedly, on the execution of getting them the meals and the ingredients that they were expecting even still, I think, give us a bit more room for forgiveness, not that we should deserve it or would need it, but things happen and mm -hmm. we're not always going to be perfect. I thought it was really nice to get her response to show, I care about what you guys are working on. And again, because I think she feels like she's a part of something larger than herself, mm -hmm. that she's a part of our success. Yeah. And by being a Purple Carrot subscriber and helping, you know, really promote that vision to her friends and other people then she's doing good and it's making her feel good about herself. So um, I can't say that that's all of our customers, of course, yeah. but those are the people that we're trying to find and those people that we're trying to reach and introduce a very convenient, satisfying way to eat mm. plant-based foods. And so how do you approach that when you're trying to find that kind of loyal customer? Um, you know, you're probably focusing most of your time on customer retention and, and growth at the same time and Correct. balancing them both. You know, you can focus on one, but... You have to keep growing. Um, for you, how's growth coming? Is it by telling the story of your company, by telling the story of your foods, of your recipes, or um, 
to what extent is it all about being plant-based, good for your health, good for the planet versus we are the we are the most efficient, best product in the market that also happens to be plant-based. So I think a lot of good work was done as we talked about. So we don't have to sell that we're a meal kit mm -hmm. because I think people get that and they are bought into that idea where we'll differentiate and where we promote ourselves largely through Facebook and Google AdWords as our two key channels for customer acquisition is really about the idea of eating more plants and helping people see that that's something possible and that's what we help them do. Um, I think that we also have, as I said, barely scratched the surface around customer acquisition because our focus has been so limited to those digital channels. And there's a lot more that we're starting to explore. And I know that we're going to do in 2018 and into 19 and beyond that will continue to open up that category for us and open up more and more people's eyes to what's possible. Um, I love that most people do understand what a meal kit is, but mm -hmm. I also love that most people haven't tried them yet. And most people certainly haven't even thought about eating plant-based. And I think when we convince people because our recipes are so great and the food is so delicious that you're not going to miss the flavors of the animal protein that you might be mm -hmm. accustomed to having that you say, wow, that's, that's vegan. And you don't realize that you're eating such delicious food. And that becomes really a bit of almost like a gateway drug as mm -hmm. you start to say, I really like those foods and I'm going to start seeking that out more. And you start thinking a bit more about the food that you're putting into your body and how you're going to feel when you're eating those foods versus others. And that's where I think we can start really making lasting change with both our food system and our health. Yeah. And how do you think you're going to go beyond um, your online or digital channels right now? Because um, a lot of other companies are partnering with, um, if not being acquired by, are partnering with um, grocery stores. Um, some are expanding their meal kit offerings and are selling because they figured out the e-commerce component are now offering provisions and other groceries on their own websites. Mm -hmm. uh, while others are doing in, you know, on-demand meal kits and so not a subscription model. So there's different ways to tackle this. Um, what have you adjusted, explored? I know you explored a Whole Foods, uh, you mm -hmm. tested that out for a bit with Whole Foods. What have you been exploring as this space continues to kind of um, become a real space that people know what meal kits are. But now the question is, how do you get to more people who need to try this? Yeah, I have great questions. So as you said, we were the first meal kit in a Whole Foods store, uh, to our knowledge, uh, with a partnership that we launched in the fall of 2016. And we were very excited about it. And it was a unique opportunity for us to get our meals into the flagship store in the, uh, in the Northeast. And uh, we started there and went into a handful of other stores as the pilot was proving to be successful. Um, but then we had this opportunity with Tom Brady and TB12. And we, as a resource constrained uh, company, we had to make a hard decision and said, okay, we're going to put the retail opportunity on hold for the moment and focus on e-commerce, which we felt we were quite good at. So um, at the same time that we looked at that retail opportunity and thought it's we think it's a good idea, but it may be a little too early for mm -hmm. us to be there. And largely because the grocers were not investing any energy yet at that point, certainly to educate their customer base that they could walk into a grocery store and get a meal kit. Mm -hmm. Most everyone goes to the grocery store and thinks they're going to buy their groceries. Um, that's changing now. And you're starting to see more headlines of different grocers making a play around meal kits to start offering that. So I still predict that 2018 will be a little bit early in the retail phase. I think 2019 will be the big year for meal kits in retail. Um, but we will continue to emphasize e-commerce for at least for our business as we see those trends playing out. Um, as I said, we put the retail opportunity on hold to focus on our opportunity with Tom Brady and TB12. And that was really a fabulous move for our company. I've, I have to say it was, um, I think Tom's a perfect picture of uh, what one can accomplish following a part-time plant-based diet. Uh, it certainly helped that when we were about to announce that partnership, he had the greatest comeback in the history <laughs> of Super Bowls without, with that win over the Falcons. Uh, and we announced our partnership with them about a month later. So that was really, really exciting for us. And it's become a very important part of our business overall. And we love that partnership with TB12. We love the values that they stand for. It aligns really well with ours. And, um, it's been something we, we both really enjoy. 
Um, so we'll continue to explore how we can both build out on that partnership, uh, continue to work with brands who also recognize the types of customers and subscribers that we have in our business, where there's an opportunity for us to become more of a plant-based platform mm -hmm. where brands who are looking to reach those customers could be in inside our box, in our recipes, where the open rate on our boxes is probably about a hundred percent. Um, yeah unlike most other sort of advertising channels. Uh, and also the difficulty that new brands would have in trying to sample at a Whole Foods, for example, or a large grocer. It's just, you know, a sea of opportunity in a grocery store, whereas in our box, you're talking about probably 50 to 70 items um, that they have a great chance of standing out and being a, a prominent spot. So um, I think that there's a lot of room for growth around aligning with like-minded brands. Uh, I would expect that we will be in retail over the next you know, period of time. And uh, we're exploring those opportunities as we speak. And that's just become a natural growth so that as I see the lines blurring between online and offline, the whole Amazon acquisition of Whole Foods and you know what's happening now with Walmart in store, out of store and delivery, uh, it's now you just have to be where the customers are going to be, whether it's through e-commerce or in the retail channel. Well, there's so much you said there. I'm going to pick apart some parts of sure. it, um, starting with... Um the what you mentioned about being a platform where brands can kind of showcase their products um i'm surprised that it hasn't happened so much already i mean i know there's been some partnerships i think what chef has done some of them with brands but they're 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 slightly different i think what you were alluding to is sort of having recipes where some of the ingredients are sort of samples of uh, ingredients you would use for the recipe That's but right. are samples of products and the people who are trying them through purple carrot have probably never tried before so Correct. it's a um, in a weird way it's kind of like um the another business model that you don't hear much about these days which is the the box um something in a box model mm -hmm. you know you get right. uh snacks in a box and uh, the box companies that you right. subscribe to perch a, box or perch yeah. box yeah. and stuff like that um you kind of have that platform um but in a way that you are the 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 end consumer is getting to taste the product right away in probably the best uh, and well-tested environment because you've designed a recipe to showcase that ingredient in exactly. some way. Exactly. No, I see, that's just a brilliant idea. I'm going to park that for now okay? Um, because you still aren't doing that, but I can I can see why that's just a no-brainer down the line. If it's, well, We are doing some of that now. Oh, you I'm are saying. doing There's some the, of that. We, we have more demand mm -hmm. from outside brands than we can even accommodate at the moment, but it's, I'm saying, so I think there's, a uh, proven path on that with excitement from brands who want to reach our customers. And I think there's more to be done. It's just about really about ensuring that the customer experience that they don't ever feel like they're being traded upon, yeah. but rather we're making very smart curated decisions around the ingredients and products that we will offer to them yeah. that they'll have a chance to experience. Yeah. I mean, a kind of a side note and I'll come back to the other question, but, uh, it's it's an issue I've dealt with a lot, a lot, you know, a lot of brands want to work, um, want to do digital advertising, but, most of the brands, especially in the plant-based food space, are so new that they really just want people to taste their products first. So see, they see a lot more value in in-store tastings and uh, going to expos and uh, being able to get into um, festivals where people can actually sample their products. This this just is another channel that they can potentially explore. So you know, I think it's it's a brilliant idea. And Thank I, you. I'm glad you're thinking about it. Uh, going to the other point I want to touch on that you brought up, which is Tom Brady, of course. Um, we can't ignore that. That was a huge partnership. Uh, you know that, obviously, and I think it's taken Purple Carrot from being an, just another player in the meal kit space, which was all plant-based, to being one that is truly, again, being able to identify that unique opportunity that aligns with your mission and your values, but yet takes this idea of eating to people who most need to hear about it, which is those that don't eat plant-based. Um, how did that come about? And um, can you, I guess it's a two-part question. One is, how did that come about? Um, and secondly, do you foresee um, more celebrity at athlete partnerships in the future? Where do you think that's going to be? For How is that going to play out for Purple Carrot? Sure. So the opportunity with uh, TB12 came about. And what's TB12 for those that don't know? Thanks. So uh, Tom Brady, quarterback of the New England Patriots, greatest of all time uh, <laughs> obviously so. you're not a patriot <laughs> just slightly um 
So his number is 12 on the field, on his jersey. And so he has created a foundation and an organization called TB12. And it's really a sort of a health and wellness enterprise, if you will, that focuses on, uh, they have sort of five key platforms that they've built their business on that is the basis for the TB12 method that focuses on muscle pliability, nutrition, hydration, sleep, and um, mental acuity. So uh, given the fact that nutrition is such an important piece of the TB12 method, it was a logical fit for our two partners, to, our two parties to come together. Uh, TB12 had launched a line of vegan snacks, as they characterize them, uh, in the summer of 2016. And uh, a guy who was one of our customer service representatives was a big Patriots fan. And he said, hey, why don't we reach out to those guys? So <laughs> someone on our team did. And uh, we had a meeting. And um, I, I think I built a very fast friendship with uh, some of the key players there. And we aligned very quickly on the mission and values of both Purple Carrot and TB12 and saw this as a great opportunity to help more people understand the value of plant-based. And the way Tom talks about it is that he wants to make his whole playbook essentially available to everyone. Mm. And, you know, his book TB12 Method came out a few months ago and it, it documents a lot of this, but this is exactly how Tom eats. And these are the meals that he and his family eat each week. We send them a box and they love them and they sign off on the recipes every week, every month rather. And, um, it's a very authentic level of partnership. And I think that's partly why it's so successful. Um, I think that whether you love the new England Patriots or hate them, we know there's plenty of those haters out there. I think most everyone can really respect and admire what Tom Brady is as an athlete and as a competitor and at age 40 plus now to play at his level you know that part of what is helping him get to that level is what he's eating. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really great partnership for us. I'm so honored that he picked us. He really could have picked anyone to mm -hmm. work with him, I think. And um, it's great. We're both sort of two small Boston brands. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say that with TB12 as, as being a relatively small brand like ours that together builds on, on Tom and uh, what he's accomplished as an individual and as an athlete. And, um, and we think it's just great. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's really exciting whether or not we introduce other sort of celebrity lines, mm -hmm. uh, to your other question. I think that's still to be determined. I think Tom is a unique element, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I could see us tapping into other sort of affinity areas over time, uh, that might make, uh, even more sense where Tom might represent the athlete side or the performance side. And there could be other ways we can look at that, um, and so we've got some uh, early ideas around that that I can't really talk about yet, but it's, uh, yeah. I think you will see us continue to grow and innovate and help make plant-based eating more and more accessible to more and more people who mm -hmm. need to realize this isn't a fringe thing, but this is actually a great way to eat. Yeah, I like the way you think about your platform. I can see I can I can see where this all fits in. And just for someone who who's never tried purple carrot before or never doesn't understand what TB12 is, right now you have two offerings, two subscriptions. You can subscribe to your maybe you can describe it. No, you're you're right. You've got uh, our sort of our core line, which is purple carrot, mm -hmm. and then you've got the TB12 performance meals that you can only access through our website, purplecarrot.com. And the TB12 is different because it is designed for, um, is it designed for athletes or is it designed for active people? Is it designed for people who want to just eat like Tom Brady? Patriots fans love Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, so... the All of the above. <laughs> all, all of the above, largely, but the real differentiator is mm. that the TB12 performance meals are gluten-free. Mm. They are also higher in protein. They're limited in their use of soy, limited in their amount of sugars. Mm -hmm. uh, different from our core line, which is still 100% plant-based, but may have some of those elements uh, and attributes to them. And that characterization of those recipes is extremely consistent with how Tom eats himself. And so that's um, all of our culinary, you know, when our culinary team is developing recipes, it has those guardrails in place on every single one of those recipes has to meet that criteria. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also speaks to no matter what people's opinions may be about Tom Brady. And I think most of it comes from a place of just because he is so good um, that it annoys some people, obviously. But the fact that he partnered and TB12 partnered with another small Boston-based company says a lot about him, I think, and his organization, because literally they could partner with anyone on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, and they, no one, and people would, would do it for free. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it was uh, it was a really nice partnership to mm-hmm. form. Uh, we had a great several month sort of courtship, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, as we got to know each other and really understand each other's principles. And it's been fantastic. Uh, we were now a year into that partnership, and uh, we were thrilled about it. Right. And, you know, I can back to my point, which I mentioned about why I like the way you think about your platform is because I can I can get envision uh, a purple carrot, say a year or two down the line where you have your your regular purple carrot meal kit. You have your TB12. You probably have one that's, as you said, affinity based, which is probably more health focused. That is addressing people with who are trying to um, eat more healthy, whole food, plant based there are so many different directions you can go with this because that's the beauty of plant-based eating. It is not just one thing. Um, and a lot of people, unfortunately, still assume it's just you eat plant-based, you probably eat slabs of tofu all day long. Right. Um, and the more you learn about it, you realize you can eat plant-based and, and eat burgers and fries all day. You can eat plant-based and and eat in a way that is going to optimize um, nutrition and it's going to make you perform your best and or you can eat in a way that's going to heal you if you're suffering from um, some sort of disease that is tied into diet and lifestyle at least it can play a play a role amongst other things like exercise and and sleep in healing you from whatever ails you that is plant-based food and of course all of it can be made to taste amazing right yeah i mean you know coming from my medical or healthcare background in the pharmaceutical sector there's some really compelling data points that it's important for people to think about that 70% of Americans are currently obese or overweight, which is so disturbing. One in three people are going to die of heart disease, which makes it America's number one killer. And by 2030, 50% of us are going to be diabetic or pre-diabetic. And those three health categories are all addressed as being reversible by a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. And so the opportunities are there when I think about the dramatic macroeconomic costs in our healthcare system and how much money is spent on just in that category, whether it's in the physician's office, in the hospitals, in the pharmaceutical sector, and the dollars that are spent there against how we can, in a very natural way, start to make some, you know, reverse and eradicate those uh, healthcare issues that are chronic health conditions. It's, you know, you want to scream from the rooftops, you got to start thinking about this and, uh, there's a lot of room for growth, uh, in my opinion, on that uh, to appeal to those um, sort of those health verticals and a whole host of other ones that you started to uh, address. Yeah. And, you know, another issue, which is uh, something we talk a lot about uh, that we don't often have solutions for, which is this issue about needing to get this kind of food and this way of eating to parts of the country that don't uh, that are not New York and uh, San Francisco and L.A. and Boston that have uh plant-based or largely plant-based restaurants people who barely can can get a buy fresh produce around them so i know you're you're nationally distributed right now are you finding a lot more interest in parts of the country that otherwise you would would assume plant-based eating meant eating a salad how you what are you doing actively to try to reach parts of the country um that need to be eating this way to make plant-based eating and cooking convenient and uh, and affordable. Uh, is that something that you think about? Sure. I mean, you know, we've we've started off and our the largest percentage of our customers are, are bi-coastal, mm-hmm. um, which isn't that surprising as sort of those are trends around plant-based eating. But about six or nine months ago, we opened up the Midwest and sort of that middle part of the country that was currently was underserved by us and we weren't reaching with our current distribution. Um, and we barely had, have done any advertising to that. And you've just seen such an uptick in the demand that in middle America, which may be typically perceived as just a bunch of meat eating, you know, uh, folks that it's been great to see sort of how much people are embracing, uh, this as an opportunity that they weren't aware of before, maybe couldn't get. Uh, so I think you'll still see it more and more on the coasts, but, um, whether or not we're going to address sort of the food deserts that exist out there. I mean, hopefully with national distribution, you get that solved. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of people that are, um, that don't have the financial means to eat plant-based. We try as a brand to become uh, a platform for education, information, and give people recipes and tips and tools for how to think about eating plant-based, even on a lower budget. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because the more people that start thinking about eating plant-based, the more change we'll make in the world. Yeah. And what do you think is sort of your long-term um, goal with with what role you play in people's households when it comes to food? So one of the criticisms that have been um, lobbied against meal kit companies is that it's usually people try it for a while and then they realize they can make this kind of on their own um, and they cancel their subscriptions because they this is kind of a gateway for them to discover that they actually enjoy being in the kitchen versus um, uh, ordering takeout. What are you you know what are you seeing in that on that front? Are, are people who stay on to your service are they doing it because this has replaced all other forms of cooking in their home, or it has just made some of their meals in the week a lot more easier? and yet given them a lot more control over the ingredients and the quality of the food that they consume? That's yeah, so a great question. Something that I really love to share is that 82% of our subscriber base are omnivorous, hmm. which I think surprises a lot of people. And it goes back to one of the earliest points I made in the yeah. belief was this is vegan food for non-vegans. So 82% of our audience are non-vegans. At the same time, we study and evaluate when people do cancel their subscription with us, why they do that. And one of the biggest reasons is that they're now starting to cook on their own. And in many ways, that's, I can't argue with that. Hmm. And I'm happy if that's the reason they're going to move on is because they've now realized, okay, this is really great. I now understand it a bit more and I'm going to probably use a bunch of your recipes and I'll just shop on my own. Mm -hmm. But if that's why someone's going to leave us, I'm fine with that because it almost says we accomplished our mission of helping people eat more plants. And that was the gateway for them to go out and start thinking differently. And I believe that'll create lasting change. Yeah, I mean, you're providing an, such a crucial service in that sense because one of the biggest barriers to people eating plant-based, which is why also I think you identifying this, uh, the meal kit trend and the plant-based trend and developing a company around it that has managed to not only stay in business but grow um, is is so needed because the first barrier, as I said, is people don't know how to how to make plant-based food. I mean, most people, for them, plants was the side of, was a side dish that, typically was potatoes or uh, it, that's the state of uh, how food has been in america for the last several years and plant-based is sort of an alien concept and you're now making that easy and also helping people do it at home which is undoubtedly the better way to go when it comes to food versus going and eating in a restaurant you have no idea what they put in your food Sure. Well, you know, I've got a great team of people that I have the opportunity to work with every day who help bring this mission to life. And uh, we just love what we're doing. And it's, um, it's nice to hear such praise from you. So I thank you for that. Yeah. And you know, I'm gonna not not that I need to counter my praise with uh, criticism. It's not <laughs> criticism, but it's, uh, it's something that is also comes to mind when we talk about meal kits. And you've, you've probably been asked this question a billion times. Is sustainability. How is this sustainable? You know, some of the, the criticisms that companies in the space face is that, you know, what about food miles? What about all that packaging? What about the freezer packs? What have you done to address that? And, um, and of course, I'm sure you, because you, you can, you think about food in the environment, that isn't something you've ignored as well. So a lot of people thinking, listening to this right now thinking, wait a minute, but this sounds like a, like a bunch of boxes and packets I'll have to throw away at the end of uh, every meal. What has Purple Carrot done so far to address that? Yeah, no, it's a very fair criticism. And um, it's something that really the whole industry has, has had to deal with since inception. And there's trade-offs that you make for the convenience and the opportunity to have pre-measured products delivered to you in, in a box in a, in a uh, clean and safe manner. So I think there's been nice innovation across uh, packaging and insulation. We generally use uh, fully recyclable packaging that goes in our boxes. All the plastic is recyclable, all the bottles, any of those jars. Uh, we teach people a lot about upcycling, mm -hmm. about using the containers that we do ship to you in a, um, in a more positive, productive manner. And the reality is that, that is, there's a huge opportunity for people in the industry, broadly speaking, to innovate. And we're seeing that across the board by very large players that are recognizing that the meal kit space is here to stay and how they can help. And then we'll be sort of the downstream purchasers of those products mm -hmm. that are gentler on the environment. Right. Um, you know, I think that's, there's a lot more work that can be done, but you have to start somewhere. And I think that's crucial in this space. And, um, and I think the more you educate the consumers about what they can be doing with the packaging, uh, and the more 
you kind of message that as part of your overall mission, you're going to get consumers who do the right thing. Um, and then, of course, you can start working with packagers or materials that are perhaps better for the environment and, and less of a burden um, on the planet that, that is already being pummeled by all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, you know, as a counterbalance to that, we feel like while those are industry-wide trends, at mm -hmm. least the products that we're giving to people in those boxes yeah. are plant-based. And so I'd rather have someone be purchasing a plant-based product than getting all the animal protein and other things that are far worse for the environment uh, at that animal agriculture level. Yeah. Uh, so choosing a meal kit, at least choose the one that's probably best for the planet from the diet it, it follows. Yeah. And it's also another opportunity to educate people about that, right? Most people are, you know, I'll see a lot of people complaining about packaging, but don't think twice before um, putting something on their plate and eating it. And they don't think about the, you know, kind of uh, built in environmental costs on all those foods. So it's a great way to just have this conversation. And at the end of the day, we don't live in a perfect world. I mean, if you're going to provide convenience to people, it comes with a price. What is that price is the question now. And right. if you can minimize that cost in the environment, then at least you're working on a solution versus being part of the existing problem. Exactly. So um, as we start to close out, I'd love to get your thoughts on sort of the the, the space in general and where things are headed with um, the meal kit category. I mean, I think this is, um, for anyone who didn't know about meal kits, hopefully has learned a lot in this episode. <laughs> but, you know, do you really think, um, as a general point, I mean, do you really think any meal kit company can purely just do meal kits um, or each of them are going to, Purple Carrot included, are going to have to use meal kits as sort of the base platform and then start to expand into other areas just so that they are, um, are more viable as a business in the long term? You know, I think it's, there's probably not a one size fits all answer for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Blue Apron had aspirations to go public and it has not been a pleasant road for them. <laughs> and uh, maybe they did it too soon. Maybe there's certain macro trends that worked against them, yeah. but that was their path. Um, Albertsons acquired Plated, so that was a different path for Plated. And, you know, many others might just focus on becoming a lifestyle brand and having it be something that doesn't go beyond, uh, you know, sort of that as an IPO uh, to something else. So, um, you know, I think that the, there will be more and more consolidation over the next probably 18 to 24 months and that there will be some players that probably just can't sustain it any longer and will go out of business. There will be a few others, and I believe Purple Carrot will be one of them, that mm. will sustain itself and differentiate itself on its product quality. And there's, it's a huge category. you know. So I think that even if you took that $35 billion projection by 2025 and cut it in half, it's still an enormous category that has so much room for growth so that it's not a one-player-takes-all uh, type of dynamic whatsoever. And I think there will be a number of great players that survive and mm -hmm. you will, you'll find them online. You'll find them in grocery stores. Uh, you know, there, and there'll be a variety of different ways that you might be able to access that. Maybe you'll start finding them in convenience stores and it's just going to be where people go, um, and ways that people can start participating in this, um, on-demand economy in a way that, um, sort of works for everybody. So yeah. I, I'm still really bullish on the future and, uh, I'm confident purple carrots going to be a player there. Yeah. And I come. think, you know, what makes it, and I, and I would, I don't think that con that confidence is unwarranted. I think looking back at what you've made, you started out to what where things are right now, um, it's only gotten to this point because of some of the early decisions you made that could be reasons why people could have written you off, which is, you know, going plant, we discussed it, you choosing to be a plant-based meal kit company in the first place. Um, and then sticking to that over the years as things started to get pretty shaky in the industry and others started to offer similar vegan or plant-based options. Um, but I think that's, at the end of the day, what makes Purple Carrot unique. It is you, it is, and that's why I think it's a great entrepreneurship story for anyone who's planning to start any kind of business. Because it is, you you know people are still thinking, why is Purple Carrot still around? <laughs> you know, a lot of people are wondering that, probably I'm not saying people within the, this space. Um, when I say this space, I mean the the, the plant-based food space or the natural food space or the better food space. But overall thinking, you know, what is this small player? How are they going to stand out? 
and how they're going to stand out just doing that. I think that is the reason you've stood out because you've stuck to that, that, that what appeared to be a very specialized little piece of the market was actually the, the piece of the market that's growing the fastest. That's mm-hmm. uh, the piece of the mass, uh, market that needs to grow the fastest. And you've kind of now, you, you own it. <laughs> you know, if anyone trying to, is trying to catch up with you in this space, they're going to have a real hard time. And no one will also have an authentic enough story because at the end of the day, you can't you know, bullshit your way through business by telling people that here's why I started an all plant based uh, meal kit company and turned out that you're now owned by, so you were started by a bigger conglomerate or, you know, you, right. you know I'm not going to name names, but by someone who's getting into it because they see a market opportunity. That's not your story. Your story is your story. Thank you. Yeah, it goes back to the whole idea of make meaning. You know, yeah. do something that matters. And, uh, you know, it's every day is a challenge. There's, uh, you know, a lot of subscribers out there that we want to please and satisfy. We've got a very mission focused effort and we believe that if we continue to do what we do, we're going to make a positive change in the world. Yeah. And so what does that change sort of look like for you? If you, um, you know, if you look ahead, you obviously started this because you cared about the issues and you saw, you know, you could start a business that can be part of that solution to solve some of these big problems, whether it's the public health crisis that we're facing or the environmental crisis we're facing globally right now. What, I know, and you're part of a much larger effort with the entrepreneurs and experts and investors that are doing to to fix our food system. But you're playing your role, and I think you know what your role is, and you're and you're and I can, based on this conversation, it's pretty clear that you're you're doing it well. Where do you see the food system, say, thirty years from now, in the year 2050, if we all collectively, including Purple Carrot, get it right? manage to reach the kind of customer base that you're able to how manage to make a dent in our broken food system so we can reverse some of those crazy statistics you outlined earlier about the about health in the US. Yeah, well, thank you for the praise. Um I you know, when you look out into the future, I I think that a lot of it has to be shifted around climate change. I was just reading an article about how walnuts in California are not going to be able to be grown peaches, apricots, um, that because of the change in the, in the weather patterns that there's not enough time for these trees to sleep and sort of regenerate and have that. And it's changing what farmers are gonna be able to do. And the farmers in California provide such a massive amount of produce to people in this country and beyond. So I think we've got to start being more mindful about the amount of animal proteins we're consuming as you shift the use of that land where half of the land in this country right now is used for animal agriculture. And that's such a driver of carbon emission and global warming. So it's all so interconnected that if you could lean out to 2050 and people are saying, yeah, I'm following largely a plant-based diet. doesn't mean that I'm no longer eating animal proteins, but all that land or a lot of that land is getting reallocated to grow crops you can get 37,000 pounds of plant-based food in an acre of land as compared to 375 pounds of beef. So it's not hard to start doing the math when you think about the growing world population and what our demands are going to be. So I really, truly hope in my heart of hearts that people start to adopt that mindset that we can make positive change. I'd love for my kids later on to look back and say my dad was one of the guys that was you know, someone that helped create some positive change in the world, and this is what we're doing now. And so... Um, that's the hope that gets me out of bed every day. And uh, I hope that our product can make a small difference in the way we think about food. I agree. Thank you so much, Andy Levitt. This has been uh, a lot of fun. And um, I look forward to seeing what Purple Carrot's going to do in the months and years ahead. And, and I'm sure you're going to be part of that bigger story that's going to be written about um, how we fixed our food system. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit eftp.co. That's eftp.co.
www.ghanaplanet.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.